0: I just loved. You remember these, don't you? I just love those. As a kid growing up, did you grow up with these two? Those Where Is Waldo books? Did you ever see those? Yeah. Okay. I loved them. I just loved them. Let me put, put, let me put a little puzzle. Hatnil uh, Rodriguez, who is my PowerPoint partner today, he said, "Dwight, I found, I found that. I found that uh, Waldo right away." Come on, put it on the screen, guys. He said, I found it right away. Can you find it? I'll give you three seconds. One, two, three. Okay, change the picture. Let me, let's look at the next one. That's supposed to be the hardest swears, Waldo, in the world. How much time do you have? Okay. You say, Dwight, look it. I'm, from, I'm not from America. I don't know this kind of stuff. Oh, let me show you who Waldo is. Next, next screen, please. There's Waldo. Always red and white stripes, little beanie cap. And he's always hidden by the master artist somewhere somewhere in the scene. He's always hiding somewhere, but he's always there. So, let's let's do this. For Christmas, Advent season beginning, let's play Where's Waldo with the Christmas story. No, seriously. There is a Waldo-like missing person in the Christmas story. You're not going to believe this. He shows up in not a single painting... He shows up not in a single story of the narrative. And guess what? He shows up only once in one of the Christmas carols. And you haven't sung it in a long time. Where's Waldo? Don't worry about him feeling bad by by me saying this, because he's used to it. Nobody ever sees him. In fact, Jesus called him the wind found a piece that just came out in the latest Christianity Today written by J.D. Witvleet He's right up the road, Grand Rapids, Calvin College and Calvin Seminary professor of worship. Title of the piece, Peace, A Pentecostal Christmas. Let me put it on the screen for you. You have to fill in a little word here. On the screen. Our Christmas cards, carols and cretions, delight in the characters of the Christmas story. In the pageants, there are a lot of parts to go around. What were you in a school play? Were you Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus? How about were you one of the angels, the shepherds, the magi, perhaps even Elizabeth, Zachariah, Simeon, and Anna? But for all the times and the ways the story is told, one key participant is almost impossible to find, and that's the Holy Spirit. Write Write it down in your study guide. That's the Holy Spirit. Eight appearances. Come on, check it out. In fact, let's let's make a little graph right now, a little table. You got a study guide? Did did they give you a study guide? Grab your study guide. Let's make a little table. It's in your worship bulletin. Thank you, ushers. If you didn't get a study guide, just hold your hand up. Those of you watching on uh, live screen right now or television right now, go to our website, please, www.newperceptions.tv. You're looking for this homily. Have yourself a windy Merry Christmas. Have yourself a windy Merry Christmas. We'll get to you. And if you click on that, you'll see a study guide. It'll be the same study guide. Let's put that little chart together. Let's do it. The Holy Spirit shows up, okay? The Holy Spirit shows up. Notice he's the kind of people He shows up in. Number one, jot it down. He shows up in utero. In utero. What's that mean? In the uterus. That's where He shows up. He said, come on, does not, does too. Look at this Luke chapter 1. Open your Bible to the, we'll, we'll stay in Luke, this first chapter and second chapter. This morning, Luke chapter 1, this is now setting up the Christmas story. Pick it up in verse 5. I'm in the NIV. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, that would be wicked King Herod, bad. All right. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah and his wife Elizabeth, also a descendant of Aaron. They're both Levites. Verse 6, but both of them, hey, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. You have two friends of God. That's who they are, just two, two anonymous strangers, And God comes along and says, I have chosen you for a a key part in the story I'm beginning to write. It makes me look at you and say, I wonder what God has chosen for you. God looks at you. He said, I have chosen you. You don't know this yet, but you're going to play a very important part in the story I'm about to write. Never write yourself off. That's the deal. Don't write yourself off when God is writing you in. All right? So drop down now to uh, verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division These are all the priests on duty down in Jerusalem, the temple. Uh, While while Zechariah was on duty, he was serving as a priest before God. Now, watch this. Verse 9. He was chosen by Lot according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, this, is, this is fascinating, because you know what they did with these priests? They said, all right, guys, are you, are you all assigned to today? Okay, good. Stand in a semicircle. So they stand in a semicircle, and then the president, the, like the, the chairman of the Board of Elders or whatever, he'd say, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. I want you to put a finger out on your hand. You can put one finger. You can put five. You can't put zero. You have to put a finger out. All right? Okay, you ready? So everybody's saying, well, I'll put four, should I put three? How about just one? I'll follow there's no way to know, because once he says, you pick the number, he says, and I'm going to choose a random number. Here we go. The number is 37. Let's go. And he starts on this end of the semicircle, and he starts counting fingers. And when he comes to finger number 37, you are it. And let me tell you something. This is a big it to be. Because this is going to go into the curtain that's just before the holy place. That curtain, and in front of the curtain to put incense onto the golden altar, and the smoke symbolizes the prayers of all the worshipers crowded into the courtyard. Oh, it's a very big deal. And Zechariah got chosen. Drop down to verse 11. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to him. So he's in there doing this, he's dropping the incense smells wonderful. And it's just ascending before that curtain, and then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense, and when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. I would be, wouldn't you? Come on. This towering divine being standing in front of him. Now, all the scholars point out it's on the right side of the altar, so you should have figured that out. I would not be thinking about which side of the altar is he standing right now. I'd just be petrified, and that's Zechariah. But it's on the side of favor. The angel will tell Zachariah who he is. It's Gabriel. He'll tell him later. But the angel, angel says, verse 13, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. And by the way, we know it's Gabriel because every time Gabriel shows up in the New Testament, those are the first words out of his mouth. To the shepherds, don't be afraid. To Mary, don't be afraid. To Zachariah, yo, don't be afraid. Apparently he was intimidating when he showed up. <coughs> Calm down, guys. Don't <laughs> it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Don't be afraid. Zachariah, your prayer has been heard." Hit the pause button again, because a lot of people read that line. You know what they're saying? Zachariah and Elizabeth have been praying for a baby. You're gonna have a baby. That's not what they're praying. When you're their age, you're not praying for a baby anymore, trust me. (laughs) They're not praying for a baby. You know what the prayer they're praying is? Even so, Messiah, come. Come, Lord Messiah. Your prayer has been heard. Some of you are praying that prayer right now. Some of you not so young have been praying that prayer all your lives. Wouldn't it be something if one of these days your angel shows up and he says, sister, brother, I have good news for you. Your prayer is about to be answered. He's coming. Oh, wow. So don't don't let go of that hope. Your prayer has been answered. Your, life, your, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're going to call him John. Verse 14, and he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never, Zachariah says, what did you say? He says, he is never, what was that again? He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. You know why? Because when you're a friend of God, And you're on call 24-7, like, to be in touch when I need you. You can't afford. You can't afford to put your brain to sleep. So when when you're on mission, not a drop, not a single drop of this inebriating liquid passes between your lips. Not a drop. Why? Because you can't afford it. If you put your mind to sleep, I promise you, if you put your mind to sleep, there's only one being in the universe who, with his horde of demons, will kick the door down while you're asleep, move in, and you will do stuff you would never do if you were thinking. They call it under the influence. Guess whose influence it is? No, you're my man. You're my girl. You're not going to. I need you. We're getting close. Oh, well, this turns out to be a big deal. He will. What is it, he, is ne- he is never to take wine or other fermented drink and... Oh, here it comes now. First appearance of the Holy Spirit in the pre-Christmas story. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Write that down in your study guide, please. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Put that study guide blank up there. There it is. Fill that out. He will be filled. Boy John. Boy John will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Wow. (laughs) Did you know, young mother, young father, and we got a lot of young mothers and fathers. Did you see all these kids up here? We got a lot of young mothers and fathers. Did you know young mother-to-be? We got a lot of young mothers to be right here. Young fathers-to-be right here. Did you know? that it's your, it is your contact with the King of kings that will determine whether your child is born with the Spirit, even before birth, in utero. He said, Dwight, you're making that up. No, Desire of Ages on the screen. Put it on the screen, please. Even the babe in its mother's arms may dwell as under the shadow of the Almighty through the faith of the praying mother. That baby has no faith. That baby has no nothing but hunger. But you have faith. And for that baby, God says, I'll take her faith. I'll take his faith. It's good enough for me. Isn't that something? If Keep keep reading. If we will live in communion with God, we too may expect the divine spirit to mold our little ones even from their earliest moments in utero. I'm there. I can show up anywhere I want, and I'll show up in 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 a uterus if I need to, in a fetus. That's what he did. Wow. What a profound blessing a believing young mother is. Come on, all you dads that sent your kids up a moment ago. I'm talking to you. What a profound blessing a believing young father is for his little tykes. Ah. So, write that down. Okay, here comes number two. In a teenager. So, number one is in a utero. We're taking these in consecutive order as they appear in Luke. Number one is in utero, and number two is in a teenager. And who's this teenager? We already know. Just turn the page. Let's just read this one. This is uh, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, because she did get pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel, yep, same angel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Drop down, to, drop down to verse 30. But the angel said to her... It's Gabriel again. Do not be afraid, girl. Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. <laughs> And then he tells her she's going to get pregnant. Look at her response, verse 34. How will this be, Mary, asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will shadow you, so that the Holy One to be born in you will be called the Son of God. Write it down one more time. The Holy Spirit, teenage girl, because she's, some scholars think maybe 14, could be even 13 years of age. She's young. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you something's gonna happen to you that has happened to no human being and will never happen again in the history of this universe, the Holy Spirit will come into you. Whoa. Number three, jot this one down. So, we have in utero, we have in a teenager, and now we have in an adult. Because, actually, it's it's a middle-aged adult. Since priests were required to retire by the age of 50, so we know Zachariah is under 50. He has to be. He wouldn't be doing what he's doing. So, he's still, we'd say, middle-aged, right? Middle-aged, 50 years old. Elizabeth, his wife, would be about the same age. Guess what? She gets pregnant. And Mary, who's so embarrassed about being pregnant and having no husband, she flees her little village of Nazareth and goes to be with Elizabeth. And the moment Mary walks to the door, the baby in utero go And Elizabeth cries out. Where is this? Elizabeth cries out. Verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she praises God. So, you can be middle-aged. Apparently, the Holy Spirit... You can be middle-aged, and the Holy Spirit will come into you. And, by the way, it's true for her husband, also middle-aged. By the way, there's been a lot of quiet around the house because he didn't believe he didn't believe that Gabriel was... You know, you can't do that. You can't do it. Do you know how old my wife is? Gabriel said, what do you, what's your problem? Do you know who I am? No. I'm Gabriel. That's when he introduces him. I'm Gabriel. And you're not gonna talk for nine months. And he doesn't. Can't talk. When the baby's born, and they come to Zachariah and say, "What do you want to name him give me a give me a tablet. His name is John and boom. His lips are open. look at this verse sixty seven and his father Zachariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied praise be to God the Savior. There it is again. So what do we have here? What do we know? How does the Holy Spirit... With whom does the Holy Spirit show up? Number one, he shows up in utero. Number two, he shows up in a teenager. Number three and four, he shows up in uh, two middle-aged. Now, we have to take this in consecutive order, and you need to go to the very last line before Luke tells the birth of Christ. So it's verse 80 in Chapter 1. It's the boy John who's grown up a little. Watch this. Fill it in in your study guide. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, in the spirit. Apparently, he even comes into children, not just in utero, but once you're out of the utero, he can come into you. Can you believe that? The truth is, come on, guys. Let's be honest, you and me. Let's be honest. The truth is we sell our children too short too often, don't we? We just sell them short. God, Dwight, you can't be talking about my 3-year-old. You you cannot be talking about my 5-year-old. Do you know what my 5-year-old is like? You should. No? I don't see any. I don't see any uh, parameters here. Apparently, the Holy Spirit can make a difference in any age, including your child. Let me put this on the screen. A hundred years ago, Ellen White wrote these words. Then I go to a psychologist. The Holy Spirit loves to address the children and discover to them the treasures and beauties of the of the Word. The Holy Spirit loves to to address children. Hey, little girl. Hey, little boy. I'm talking to you. I'm inside of you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Nobody can see me. Children love to play that. I'm talking to you. Get into that book. Oh, we we'll look at the next line. The promises spoken by the great teacher, that would be Christ, will captivate the senses and animate the soul of the child with a spiritual power that is divine. Three years old. Hey, wait a minute. Come on, serious. Three years old and the Holy Spirit's going to come into my child at three? Yes. Two. One. Doesn't matter. I'll come in. You ever watch the children's story on the big screen up here? Those kids, they just... <gasps> why? Because their minds are like a, like a sponge. They're just soaking everything in. That's why, parent, listen to me. That's why, mother, young mother, young father, parents-to-be, guard what gets placed before the inquisitive eyes and ears of your children. They're soaking it all up, all of it. They don't know that you don't soak this part, but you do soak th- They don't know. Here comes a psychologist, Gene Twinge. She wrote the book iGen. We've quoted now. This will be the third Sabbath in a row because it's a, it's a, it's a critical book. Anyway, she, this, is, this is a secret that you need to know. On the screen, you have to fill this out. On the screen, many tech CEOs... Okay, tech CEOs, you know who we're talking about strictly regulate their own children's technology use. When New York Times reporter Nick Bilton talked to Apple co-founder and CEO Steve Jobs in late 2010, he asked Jobs if his kids love the iPad. Now, here is Steve Jobs' reply. They haven't used it, he said. We limit how much technology our kids use at home. Can you believe that? Keep reading. Bilton was shocked, but he later found out that... Many other tech experts also limited their children's screen time, from the co-founder of Twitter to the former editor of Wired magazine. So, and, and, and here's Twenge kind of editorializing, so even people who love technology and make a living off of it are cautious about their kids using it too much. As Adam Alter put it in his book Irresistible, it seemed as if the people producing tech products were following the cardinal rule of drug dealing. Never get high on your own supply. They're not letting their kids. And what are we doing? We're buying up Best Buy with all the gadgets we can for our 3-year- olds now, our 4-year-olds, iPads for anybody up at this age. You figured it out. Our little granddaughter, she she knows. But at what cost? At what price? If the guys who have invented this are saying, I'm not letting my kids have this, then maybe they're telling us something. Maybe. They're now finding 19 year old iGeners, 19 year old. This little screen they've become addicted to. They're actually now as a chemical addiction at 19 years of age. I gotta have it, I gotta have it, I gotta have it. Don't take it away, please. Like Golem, this is mine, my precious. <laughs> Isn't that what's happening? Don't take it away from me actually going through withdrawal now, chemically. Uh, I'm telling you, Mom and Dad, don't put a screen in front of your little 3-year-old, your little 5-year-old. What age should I do it? I have no idea. I just know we gave our cell phone too early to our, to our daughter. If I could do that story over again, she would never get it. I, all her friends were getting it, and the pressure was on. But I now realize if I had just had the gumption to say, too bad, I'm the king of this fort. I didn't, we made a mistake. And you may have already made a mistake. That's okay. God says, I can, I can do business with this. <laughs> it's not the end of the world. But don't do it on purpose, young parent. Don't do it on purpose, please. What, what am I going to do with my kids, then? Try this, R-E-A-D. Do you know what that spells? R-E-A-D. <laughs> you probably don't because it's, it's not on the screen. Read. Read. Buy him books this Christmas and read to them. All right. Here we go. Number 5. Oh, boy, not only does he show up in utero, not only does he show up in a teenager, not only does he show up in middle-aged adults, but he also shows up in the elderly. Would you write that in, please? In the elderly, the final piece. First half of Luke chapter 2, Jesus gets born. Second half, Joseph and Mary are taking their little boy to register this baby as a true son of Israel. They're going to the big temple in Jerusalem, and there's a man in that temple who today was told by the Holy Spirit, go to the temple. I promise you, you would not die before seeing the Messiah. That means he's very old. He's close to death. And the Spirit said, go to the temple. I will show you a new king. Now, fill it in. Fill it in, your study guide, will you, please? Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Reference number two, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And reference number three, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts and took the child in his arms and praised God. Apparently, ladies and gentlemen, in utero, in a child, in a teenager, in a middle-aged adult, in the elderly, apparently, no matter what age you are, you are always ripe and ready for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Any age you wish. You just name me your age. You're ready. Man. Which must, be why, which must be why the daily baptism of the Holy Spirit is such a big deal to God. Now, we left two, two lines out of Gabriel talking to Zechariah, stunned Zechariah. Go back. Let's turn back to uh, Chapter 1. We left these two lines out on purpose, but I want you to see why this baptism of the Spirit is such a huge deal to God. Okay, so where is this? Verse uh, 16. And he, this is boy John, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. There's going to be a revival coming. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents of their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. Why, 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 why? Here it comes now. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I want you to hang that line on the screen, please, for us. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Where I have my worship every morning, that is on the wall. Scotch tape on the wall. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Because that's why you and I exist. We exist to do this. We exist to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I don't know if you understand how on the edge our society is right now. This sexual harassment thing, I wrote a blog on it, The sexual harassment thing. It's a Pandora's box. This thing is just coming at us now from every, every possible angle. What's up? All hell is letting loose. Somebody knows he's running out of time. Even now, our leaders are under the hypnotic sway. Man, are you serious? Some scouts sent me some material this last week. I would share it here, but I don't want to. I think it's premature to point attention to it. But there's stuff happening on this planet as we speak. We are living on the cusp of the return of Jesus Christ to this planet. Here's the deal. It's for that reason that the baptism of the Spirit that was critical for John, critical for Mary, critical for Elizabeth, critical for Zachariah, critical for Simeon, is critical for us. We must be baptized by the Spirit. That's why we started talking about this back in September, and that's why we're tailing around as the semester ends. Now, one more time, let's go back to that theme. Let's do, and we have, and we are. You notice I didn't begin this by saying, hey, here, I want to I hear from all of you who have been praying every day for the baptism of the Holy Spirit since we spent three Sabbaths on it in September. I wouldn't do that. You know why? Because it's none of my business, that's why, or anybody else's business. You know the answer to that, and so does the Holy Spirit. The deal is we're getting close to the end. And there will be a generation that will be raised up, young and not so young, who will be warriors in the king's army and who will be mobilized over this planet miraculously. And who will speak what the God inside of them commands them to speak without fear, without fear. And an entire planet overnight practically will be alerted to the Messiah's return. Wow. It's a huge deal. That's why Jesus, when he was here, said, Oh, by the way, let me tell you something. If you who are evil, put it on the screen, please, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, and it is Christmas time. Don't buy them something that has to be charged necessarily. But you give good gifts. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who continually, day after day, that's how the Greek reads, every day are asking, please, fill me. Fill me with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I would would give my personal testimony right now. I've thought about it, but I said, no, it would feel too fake. It would look forced. It would look like, whoa, who are you? (laughs) I'm nobody. But I need to tell you something. The Holy Spirit is everything. It's everything I need. And He's everything you need. He's everything. So, uh, a well-known writer in our faith community happened to listen to this little humble little series back in September online, live streaming. Wrote me a letter and said, hey, Dwight, I saw it. He's a psychologist. He's a writer. His name is Douglas Cooper. He said, I've written a book. has been published called, uh, called The Gentle Spirit. The Gentle Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God's Greatest Gift. All right? Fascinating book. He opens the book. Listen to this. And don't come and ask me for my copy. And it's not available anywhere else, so you just have to hear this now. He opens the book with 43 reasons why you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit every single day. 43 of them. He says, you you will never be the same. 43 43 reasons. I want to share with you number 11, because number 11 describes what I've been experiencing, and that's all I'm going to tell you. Somebody else wrote it. Fine by me. Number 11, why you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. Synchronicity. Synchronicity. Everything's in sync. Synchronicity is experience. When the Holy Spirit comes into you, synchronicity is experience. Once you have placed yourself in oneness with God, He is living in you by His Spirit, and you are connected everywhere you go and everywhere you are. Think broadband, Wi-Fi, DSL, 4G cellular network. You are connected everywhere with the same great creative, super-intelligent force that created and sustains the world and continues to expand the very dimensions of the unfathomably immense universe. That power is now in you. Now, hold on. This gets even better. Your limitations can be, trans- can, can be transcended. We're always worried about, oh, but I can't, but I can't because I'm this, I'm that. Forget it. Your limitations can be transcended. He can do it. Keep reading. The universe will be on your side. Now, hold on, hold on. Meaningful co- coincidences meaningful coincidences begin to happen. And I love his definition. A coincidence is God's way of working a miracle anonymously. I tell you what, I stand here before you to tell you that's exactly what happens. Sometimes I stop in the middle of the day, and I say, God, what are you doing? What is this? I mean, I was thinking that, and then he comes, I'm thinking this, and there she is. What are you doing? He said, Dwight twice. Didn't you ask me? Didn't you ask me this morning to fill your life today? Didn't you ask to be baptized? This is what I do for a living. I do this all the time. It's just if you don't ask, I don't force myself. You can have this if you want it. Jesus said every day, continually ask Him. Uh, Oh, one more line here. So what happens, these meaningful coincidences? Circumstances begin to work for you, not against you. Other people become helpful to you, cooperative. Like, wow, where did that come from? No, we're on your side. Keep going. Chance encounters that bless and benefit you and others will increase. There will be many more unexpected, helpful occurrences and other remarkable, synchronistic events in your life. Now, here's the last line. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. You ready? Hey, church, are you ready? If you're ready, He will appear. He will show up if He has your permission. But He has to have your permission because your free choice is way too valuable to Him. He has to have your permission. If the student is ready, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So, guys, that's it. That's a gift. And you can have it every single day of your life. I promise you. Yeah, but Dwight, you got to make this simpler than that. Okay, I'm going to close with this. And you already have it in your study guide, so I don't, I'm going to just fly through this. I'm going to give you away a little Christmas, Christmas primer on how to be baptized with the Holy Spirit over the holiday, because holiday's coming, and into the new year. little four-stepper. Would that be okay? Let me run these by you. You can do this every single day. This, you don't have to be a rocket scientist for, to, to experience this. Here we go. Number one. Step number one in your, in your study guide, it's called the setup. Okay, so you go to a little place where you, where you can be alone for 15 minutes. 15 minutes is a deal. 15 minutes a day. Step number one. So I go to my little corner. What am I going to say there, I? You say this. Put it on the screen. I'm ready and waiting to connect with you. Let's talk. Okay, that's it. I'm ready and waiting to connect with you. Let's talk. Well, what am I supposed to do? Well, take the, take, the, take the Bible. Just do one story a day on Jesus. One story a day on Jesus. Just read it. Reread it to relive it. Just let it become a part of it. That's it. That's it. Now, now step, don't leave step number two out, because here's the ask. And what's the ask? Put it on the screen, please. Here's the ask. Please baptize me with the same Holy Spirit that baptized Jesus in the story I just read. So just let me have the spirit that was, ap- that was operating in him. I asked for that spirit. This is all in your study guide. So, the setup, the ask, and now, very important, number three, the thank you. What are you talking about, Dwight? Well, put it down. Thank you for the fresh baptism I received from you today. I say, isn't that taking a, little bit, uh, taking a little bit for granted? Maybe I didn't get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. My friend, if you are asking for the Holy Spirit, guess what? You got him. Let me read this. Put it on the screen. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. If He says, ask me every day for the Holy Spirit, and I will give it to you, guess what? Every day that you ask, you get it, girl. Boy, you get it every single day that you ask. He said so. Don't wait to feel it. That's what kills us. We all went, oh. No, there's nothing to feel. It's faith. Believe. Just believe. You have the gift. Step 4. Step 4, it's the goal. Get up out of there. Fifteen minutes is done. Let's get going. Step 4, the goal. Oh, and I found this. This is so beautiful. Put it on the screen, please, for us. Look at this. This is from the message uh, rendition. You see that on the screen? Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. Isn't this beautiful? Listen for God's voice in everything you do today, everywhere you go today. He's the one who will keep you on track today. I'm with you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm with you. Ask me. And we'll turn this world upside down, you and me. We'll turn the world upside down. I'm praying to God for 100 pleaders. God, just 100 pleaders on the campus of Anders University, Berrien Springs, Michigan. 100 pleaders who every day say, please, please, baptize me today. Fill me with your spirit. Guys, ladies and gentlemen, it's that simple. It's not hard. You just ask, and you receive. You seek, and you find. You knock doors open to you.